Wisdom for the journey and for PowerPoint. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, good to see all of you this morning and thankful for those who have helped with our worship this morning. We appreciate that. Uh, hopefully I have some things to say this morning that will be beneficial to you. Uh, you know, each week, looking for a um, lesson to preach, thoughts and so forth, and and uh, uh, I'm going to tell you that I was inspired to put this material together after Wednesday night's class. <laughs> and so for those who were here, I'll recap. For those who, who uh, uh, weren't here, uh, I'll uh, I'll give you an update on, on what happened on uh, on Wednesday this on Wednesday this week. I was going to ask uh, or answer a simple question about Ephesians the second chapter verses two and three, where it says, "Children, obey your parents and the Lord," and then to honor your father and your mother. And I thought, well, I'll knock this out, and then we'll get on to the rest of our questions in our book. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> and somehow during during the course of that it just sort of slowly morphed and uh, pretty soon we were talking about creation and eternity and the old law and the new law and, and uh, sin and forgiveness and the gospel and and all and all kinds of things and then um, we were talking about Exodus 20 and is that promise or is it a promise and and uh, we covered a lot of ground and then uh, Afterwards, I was sitting up here on the on the front pew as we were going to sing and so forth, and I was thinking, now I don't know if the wheels came off <laughs> in that discussion, but they they were certainly wobbling, you know. So. <laughs> and then on the way out, Estuardo says to me, "Well, how do we honor our parents?" <laughs> I said, don't ever have kids and don't worry about it. <laughs> but I, I started kind of reflecting on that. And the reason why I really spent time kind of reflecting on it was is because afterwards there was just something really interesting, I thought, that took place. As people were leaving, they said, hey, that, that was good. <laughs> and I enjoyed that discussion. And even the next day, a couple people said to me, we ought to do that once in a while. And I said, no, no. <laughs> you know, it's, I, like, I like things black and white and just simple and straightforward and, you know, kind of cubbyhole kind of uh, theology. And, you know, it's just wrapped up in a package and a bow on it and delivered and no mess, no fuss, no muss. And, and, but then I really kind of thought about that and I thought well you know truthfully that's not really the way life is is it it's not all wrapped up in a package with a bow on it and just kind of neat and clean and and I even thought that's not really the way spirituality is either and spiritual growth and development's not that, that way either and so I started thinking about the kind of questions and comments and so forth that were made. And I started thinking, maybe that wasn't as messy as I first thought it was. And I got to thinking, you know, maybe 
what I heard was just really the sounds of growth. And maybe that's just the sound of the journey. And I thought, maybe what I heard was actually healthy as I started to reflect on that. Because I thought, you know, the scriptures clearly teach. Clearly. There's no doubt about this. This one I got. <laughs> that there are different levels of spiritual maturity and understanding, aren't there? You know, Peter says that we just should desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And in his second letter, he says that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Philippians, we talked about this morning. And in Philippians 3, Paul says, I press towards the goal. That's talking about spiritual maturity and growth. And in chapter 2, he addresses the group. And he says, this is what I pray for you. And that you would be united in one purpose and with love for one another and that you consider not only your own interests but the interests of others <laughs> and that's a group growing together so when we think about spiritual growth and development it's individual but it's collective and it's not all neat and clean <laughs> and i thought about we're, we're at different places and, and older are supposed to help younger and more mature are supposed to help those that need to grow and to understand. And I thought about Acts 15. Remember Acts 15? <laughs> there was an issue that was troubling the brotherhood. And they came together to discuss that because people were at different places in their understanding. And so there was a council that was called and they came together and, and they discussed that issue and what they should do. And I thought about Galatians, the second chapter. Remember Paul and Peter? <laughs> and Peter was not making the proper application <clears throat> of the gospel in his everyday life. He withdrew from the Gentiles and Paul had to talk to him about that. And I thought about Paul and Barnabas as they set out on their journeys and there was differences in what they were going to do and who they were going to take with them and so forth. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> I think the wheels wobbled, <laughs> didn't they? They didn't come off, but they, they wobbled. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, actually good <laughs> came out of that. There had to be discussion and debate and an understanding of the gospel and and then there was a moving forward and so i want to read to you from philippians the second chapter we're going to take a look at proverbs we're going to take a look at various scriptures this morning but i'm going to read to you first from philippians the second chapter and about verse one through four it says Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, <clears throat> being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Look each of you out, not for, not 
out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And that's kind of what we talked about in class this morning, this attitude that we might have that really enables spiritual growth and development, whether it's individual or whether it's collective. And so in putting kind of all this together, I was thinking about me, you, us, and we've been studying for quite some time this overview of the scriptures. And John said we spent about six months. That's a little short yeah. <laughs> on the Old Testament. We spent 39 weeks, actually. And now we're in the midst of the New Testament and the Inner Testament, and who knows how long that's going to take. And uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll get to those journeys of Paul. But, but why have we been doing that? The reason why we've been doing that is because we want to see that big picture, right? We want to understand what's been revealed from Genesis to Revelation. And we've looked at the story of creation, and we've, we've studied and talked about sin entering into the world. We've talked about God's plan. We've talked about the call of Abraham. And we've talked about the development of a nation and the giving of the law. And we talked about, and we spent some time, I think valuable time, when we talked about the tabernacle. Remember that? Because, yes, we see God call a person, Abraham, and we see a nation develop and grow, and that's kind of physical, and we can see that. But in the midst of all that, we talked about the tabernacle, and that's spiritual growth, isn't it? They needed to come to understand that and what God was doing for them. And so we want to do the same. We want to see that big picture. But we want to understand the spiritual application of it all. And so now we've come to that point in our study where we're in the New Testament. And the Messiah has come. And we see, we talked about Ephesians. The reconciling of all things. To God through Jesus Christ. And we see the Lord's church come into being, Acts chapter 2. And that God and Christ and His will would be made known through the church, Ephesians the third chapter. And we see the church established, working, worshiping, spreading the gospel, waiting for the promise of his return, ushering in that eternal home. And it is the greatest story that has ever been told. Yet in our limited understanding, we have to study, we have to pray, and we have to do our best to understand his ways, our relationship with him and with one another. Because truly we are saved by grace through faith and we are his workmanship. <laughs> That's the church. That's the Lord's people. And that word workmanship suggests his masterpiece. <laughs> you look at the church. Created 
in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what Paul said, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It's healthy <laughs> to discuss, debate, to increase our understanding of God's will and his ways. And we see it in the New Testament. There may be times when the wheels wobble, <laughs> but they don't have to come off. So Paul talks in Philippians about individual growth and he talks about collective growth. And so we want to know the big picture. And we want to know also how it applies spiritually. Because life is not always neat. It's not always clean. And we have to try to come to understand God's plan, his ways, and this life with our limited understanding. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. So that leads to this study. <laughs> Wisdom for the journey. And we're going to talk about three points and we're going to talk about three sections of scripture. Jack read to us from Proverbs chapter 4, but we're going to take a look at Proverbs 9. But, but they relate in the idea of wisdom. So we'll take a look at Proverbs 9, about verses 1 through 9. And we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, about verses 6 through 21, where Paul talks about us being children of light and walking in the light. And then we're going to talk about John 6, because it talks about Jesus. And he's the bread that came down from heaven. So the three points I want us to give consideration to this morning is, in this journey, we need to seek wisdom. And then we need to walk in wisdom. And then we need to know where that wisdom comes from. That's the common thread that sort of runs through those three sections of Scripture, if we could put it like a common thread to that. So... In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified. It's, it's like a woman that is calling. And in Ephesians, it's Paul saying walk in light, or it's the application of that wisdom. And then John 6 will tell us where that, where that wisdom comes from. So first of all, Proverbs chapter 9, if you want to take a look there, Proverbs chapter 9. And I'm going to read in just a moment, Proverbs chapter 9 and verses 1 through, 1 through 6. In verses 4 and 5, it says, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Notice verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. You know what that means? And as I've suggested in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified. It's like a woman that is calling, bidding them to come. And it says that she has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Whenever you stop and think about that and you look at the language that's used there, what it's suggesting is wisdom is calling for you. And wisdom has built her house. She has 
made that which is necessary and she has hewn out her seven uh, pillars. She has provided everything that you're going to need. So when you stop and think about wisdom and wisdom and calling, what wisdom is saying is, come follow me. I have everything you need for the journey. But where does it start? In verse 4, whoever is simple, New King James Version, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. What's being suggested there? That's not some derogatory kind of statement <laughs> that is kind of chiding someone. Hey, you're kind of simple. <laughs> you're going to need some help. <laughs> no, what that's saying is, is that you need to acknowledge that you're going to need some help. And isn't that the difference oftentimes between those who choose to follow after the Lord and his ways and those who do not want to? No, thanks. I've got this all figured out. I don't need anybody's help. And what the writer here is saying is if you are going to be wise and going to follow the ways of the wise, then you first need to acknowledge, I think I'm going to need some help with this. I don't have this all figured out. And so wisdom is saying, turn turn in here I have provision for you and so it begins with an acknowledgement and it really begins with repentance because oftentimes we just want to go our own way and Jeremiah says oh Lord the way of man is not in himself it's not a man that walks to direct his own footsteps man needs help we do not know the end from the beginning, and oftentimes we don't know the consequences of our actions, and you will even hear people say, I, I didn't know it was going to turn out like that. <laughs> and I have to hear them say, and the truth of the matter is, we don't know that it was going to turn out like that. And so wisdom is saying, come, come follow me. I have built my house. I have hewn out seven pillars. I have everything you need for the journey, but you've got to trust me. The way Jesus oftentimes expressed it was like this. He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> Jesus said, listen to me. I've got the answers that you're looking for, but you got to listen. And we have to be open to listen. We have to have hearts that are open to the Lord and to be open to correction and to be willing to admit we make mistakes and to be willing to receive wisdom. <laughs> In Psalms 111 and verse 10, the psalmist says, The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And sometimes we read that and we go, Well, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> well, we could spend another lesson just on that, but in a broad sense, because we want to cover a couple other points in this, it just means that we have an awe and we have a reverence and a respect for the Lord. It's almost like a presumption that we understand who the Lord is. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth. 
He's the one who is our creator. He's the one who is our sustainer. He is the one that is going to be our judge. He is the only true God. He is the one that is revealed in his word. He is the one who has acted in history. And fear of the Lord begins with that basic understanding. This is who he is. There's an awe, there's a reverence, there's a respect. That's the beginning of wisdom. But fear of the Lord carries this with it also. It means we take God seriously. We take his word seriously. We take his commands. We take his promises. We take his blessings. We take his wrath. We take his love. We take his grace. We take his mercy. We take it seriously. And one of the issues in the religious world today is People want to take his love and his mercy and his grace seriously. <laughs> they don't want to take his wrath seriously. That's a reality, is what he's saying. This is the way it is. And so wisdom calls and says, I've built my house. I have hewn out seven pillars. Let the simple turn in here. Let those who would acknowledge, I don't have all the answers. Let them turn in here. That's what he's saying. So we seek wisdom for the journey. But secondly, well, Now it won't advance. <laughs> that didn't help. know what happened <laughs> but it just started working second point is walking wisdom <laughs> I'm glad we're there <laughs> I want you to take a look at Ephesians now Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6 Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6 Thinking what we've just mentioned in regards to wisdom calling and wisdom saying, turn in here. In Ephesians 5 and verse 6, Paul says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. If you back up in that context, Paul has just taught them, he's counseled them against a number of sins that exemplify the lost. 
and the foolish ways of the world. And he talks about sexual immorality. He talks about impurity. He talks about covetousness. And then in verse 6, he says, let no one deceive you with these empty words. So there's like a contrast that is drawn there between walking in the light and walking in darkness and walking in wisdom and not walking in wisdom. And it's down in about verse 17 where he's going to say, understand what the will of the Lord is. Walk as wise, not as, not as the unwise. And what Paul is saying is whenever he's suggesting that they should avoid those things, he's saying that he takes seriously the wrath of God against those who would not listen. And that God's wrath is real and his wrath will, will follow those who refuse to repent. And that by walking in light, he's giving us a, a better way to walk. I want to read verses 7 through 11. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And what Paul's saying is, you were formerly in darkness, and now you're like, turn away from those things. And this is the way you ought to walk. And not only should this be the way you walk, you also now expose those things. And you let others know that that's not the way, that's not the way to go. That you've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Paul begins this letter in chapter 1, verse 3, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what he has done for us. That he's the one that has given us light. And he's called us to that. And it's light for our souls, but it's light for our senses also. You ever think about that? <laughs> that the gospel is also light for our senses, <coughs> for our understanding. When you really stop and take a look at the Lord and his ways and you strive to make application of it and you strive to expose those ways that are wrong and help people to understand the ways that are right, it makes sense. Ever had anybody say that to you? Boy, the Lord's word seems to make sense. <laughs> I go, yeah. <laughs> He's the creator. He made us. And his ways make sense. Have you ever had somebody say to you, I don't know what's going on. My life is just crazy. And the truth of the matter is, their life is just crazy. Because they're just doing things that are contrary to what makes for peace in their life, what makes for stability, what makes for right. And I want to say to him, yeah, <clears throat> you live like that. That's crazy. Psalms 34. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalms 34, verse 1. 
excuse me. In verse 8, the psalmist says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. You want to say to people in those kinds of situations sometimes, it's like, you need to taste the Lord. And you need to taste his ways. Because once you taste this and his ways, you won't want to go back to that. But the psalmist says, blessed is the one who trusts in him. That's the same thing that wisdom is saying in, in Proverbs 9. Let the one who is simple turn in here. Trust me. I have built my house. I have hewn out seven pillars. I have made all provisions for you. Come and follow me. I'm begging you, come follow me. This is your wisdom for the journey. Make the application. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. You once were in darkness, but now you've been called into his marvelous light. Walk in these ways. Ephesians 5 verse 14, he says, Therefore, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. We'll spend time on Romans, the sixth chapter, another time. But I'm going to make this comment in passing. Oftentimes when we talk about baptism, we talk about Romans chapter six and verses three and four. Do you know that when you come to that point, there's already been a certain amount of spiritual growth that has taken place? That is the person who has finally said, I've come to understand that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that I need to repent and to follow him, and that now I'm going to put that old man to death. And that's why Paul says, you're raised to walk in newness of life. You've made the application. Now you're going to start to walk this way. So what's that look like? The way that looks when a person starts to walk in the light is that they put specific things that they have done before behind them. Maybe the way they thought previously, the way they talked previously, the way they acted previously. I'm going to put off that old man and I'm going to put on this new man. <laughs> and that's what that looks like. And as we start to do that, that's Christ being formed in us. That's us walking according to wisdom. That's us getting back on the right path. That's us traveling the right way. That's wisdom for the journey. Verse 15 through 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another the fear of God. Did you hear what Paul's saying? <laughs> Now, I'm not saying it's wrong, but sometimes the only time we ever use that passage is to try to prove that you shouldn't use instruments in, in worship. <laughs> Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Paul's been talking about. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been saved by grace through faith. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You see what he's talking about? You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. He's talking about that transition that has taken place. You once were lost, but now you are saved. And you come to that realization, and what happens? You are filled with the Spirit, and what comes off your lips is pouring out of the abundance of your heart. That's what he's saying. That's the result. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Have you ever had someone say to you, or maybe you've said it, I am so happy since I found the Lord. <laughs> My life is better, <laughs> and I don't ever want to go back. That's what Paul's saying. That's wisdom. It's joy that finds expression in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's new life. That's here. That's now. And wisdom calls. Walk this way. Taste the Lord. And then here's the third point. I'm going to try this one more time. It's amazing. It worked. We got to know where to get wisdom. If I tell you, well, you need to walk in wisdom. You need to voice in. And you need to do what's right. That might come across as just kind of cold advice, mightn't it? Correct, but it might seem a little cold. I think the question that goes along with that is where do you get the power? Where do you get the strength? Where do you get the motivation to carry that all out? We could talk about the ways in which we fall short, and we do. We could talk about our sins and the pain that it brings to our conscience, and it does. And we could just pile guilt upon guilt. But would that be sufficient to turn us and to keep us turned and to follow the right path all the way to its end. See what we needed. And so what God provided was we needed his son. We needed Christ so that we would find wisdom, so that we would answer the call where we could find forgiveness, where we could find motivation, 
where we could find strength, where we could find light for the journey. And that's what Jesus came to bring. See, this story starts in the Old Testament, but it culminates in the New. And the writer of Proverbs is saying, wisdom, come. I've built my house. I've hewn out seven pillars. Let he who is simple turn in here. Wisdom will show you the way. That's what Jesus brought when he came. He gives us food for our souls. He gives us light for our path. He gives us words to point us towards eternal life. That's the big picture. That's the journey. Turn to the Gospel of John. I want to read a few passages there before we close today. John chapter 6. I want to read verse 51. John chapter 6 and verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus said, I left heaven, came to this earth to give life to the world. And the way he does that is by giving his own life. The way he gives life to the world is by giving his own life. He gave up his flesh on the cross. He gave up his blood that we could be forgiven. And that's why Peter says over in 1 Peter chapter 1 about verse 18 19 that we've been purchased with his blood. Precious blood as of a lamb. And in doing that, that's how he bought us back. That's how he won us from the power of the devil. That's how he rescued us. And now we're free. Free to live as God's children, to walk in the light, redeemed by Christ, filled with His Spirit. We have new life. We have eternal life. And when Christ comes again, He'll raise us up to join Him in the sky. That changes everything. And that puts this new life in perspective. And we have a new identity. We have a new power to live. And we have a sure hope for eternity. We have this life, we have this hope, we have this strength. What Jesus is saying as we feed on him. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. That's where you get life. That's where you get strength. That's what sustains you. That's what Jesus was telling them in John the 6th chapter. But now I want you to look at verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give his, his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand? Eat your flesh. Drink your blood. You're the bread that came down from heaven. That's a hard saying. It's a hard saying today, isn't it, for a lot of people? And in this context, it said that there were many who found that to be hard, and they went away and walked with him no more. And some people today hear that, and they turn away. Wisdom says, you have a choice. Wisdom calls. Turn in here. I've built my house. I've hewn out my pillars. Let the simple turn in here. This is wisdom for the way. There'll be another time when we talk about Proverbs 9 in its entirety, because in Proverbs 9, what you actually find is two calls. There's the call of wisdom, and then there's the call of the world. And wisdom saying, follow me. I've made every provision for you. In John 6, when Jesus saw that many turned away, in verse 67, then he said to his disciples, Jesus turned to the twelve and said, Do you also want to go away? And Peter, as usual, answers. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter says, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. That's where you find wisdom. Jesus says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. We have to understand, this is a journey. And in your own individual lives, and in my individual life, I can bear testimony to this, and I'm sure it's not over yet, I don't think. <laughs> Let me not be presumptuous. There's times when the wheels have wobbled. <laughs> I can tell you that. But I feel confident in making this promise. In your own life, if there's times when it seems like the wheels are wobbling, <laughs> 